like it was it was so limp like it reminded me of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street like trying to make his way to the car and he's all drugged <laughs> up and like just his legs won't move and his arms won't move and like he eventually gets into the driving seat but like he fucking hits every tree on the way out of the place and like that's where United are at at the moment trying to get to the finish line Skulls in the six yard area five behind James gets there just first Hey, and you're very welcome along to Reds and Devils. Um, you're here tonight with a Red, Kev McGillicuddy, and two Devils, uh, Pat McCarry and Rob Redmond. And Kev, I just want to paint this little scenario for you that um, would you have thought this at the start of the season? Liverpool needing Nat Phillips and Alex Oxide-Chamberlain goals to secure fourth place in the league. Uh, what would you have thought if someone told you this back in back in August last year? Well, you probably would have been thinking like you know there was a plane crash and it was like a scene out of Alive, where like Virgil Van Dyke and like Wijnaldum were stuck up a mountain in the Andes and they started eating like Andy Robertson's chicken legs or something to try and stay alive. It was like some kind of calamity had uh, befallen the squad. But yeah, like, I mean, just, it's such a bizarre one. All I could think about all day today was Cristian Bull, where like Liverpool went into that Crystal Palace game needing a victory. Then it was all about goal difference and maybe catching the teams above them. And then you're thinking like, Jesus Christ, are they ever going to score a goal here in the first 40 minutes? Like if Alisson was playing up front, he probably would have scored some of those bloody chances. So yeah, it was just, it was a horrible 40 minutes until Firmino and a little bit of Andy Robertson Mane finally rediscovering something. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty shocking stuff. I and mean, when you look at the bench, Jesus, like the squad is down to bare bones. It's just dreadful stuff. And like Reese Williams did okay at times, but then other times you were thinking like, how on earth did this man become a professional footballer? And who who does he beat off? Like, who does he manage to, like, you know, like, get ahead of to become a professional footballer? Because there must be somebody in a pub in England, like, drowning their sorrows every night of the week, thinking, that guy beat me in a trial to get to Kidderminster, and now he's playing with Liverpool. There was, uh, I was actually just thinking there, that you could probably tell that, like, I, it's like myself and Rob were probably involved. So I was thinking that, we probably should have done a show on Sunday, but because uh, I'm a United fan, I was like, fuck that, I'm not doing anything. But what, what, were you <laughs> what were you thinking or where were you watching the game when, when Alisson popped up and scored against West Brom? Yeah, so I, I was just at home, whatever, like typical Sunday. And I, like I had pretty much given up. So like I think I'd probably gone out to the kitchen or gone out playing with a dog or something outside. And next thing, like I could hear like the, the roar from the TV and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've lost. So, I mean, to see, it was actually like, he didn't have to do anything for the header. He literally just strolled up to the box. He pretty much stood in the same place. Nat Phillips nearly took the ball off his bloody head, but it was just brilliant. It was just a piece of class 
from Trent and then from Alisson. I mean, it was just a brilliant header. And the only thing that was lacking for me was a sidebar of Sam Allardyce's face before, <laughs> like, you know, the minute before it and then the minute afterwards. Um, but look, you know, it was, it was just a brilliant goal. And like, it's just a sign of desperation and how weird the season has been. The Liverpool new goalkeeper to come up and score in the 90-odd minutes. Um, to get a goal for them. But look, it was a great header. And Alisson was brilliant again tonight. He made, I mean, he made some great saves. How Chris Wood missed that chance in the first half, I do not know. But uh, Alisson was good. I mean, Salah gave the ball away early on. And I was like, Jesus Christ, not tonight. Just like get rid of it. But Alisson bailed him out. He was just excellent again tonight. Um, he's been ropey at times, but he's, he's ever going to be remembered for that header uh, against West Brom. Just brilliant and it kind of exercised the goals I think of Colo Toure's horrible mistake a couple of years ago I think it's the same opposition I don't know what it is about West Brom but they've, they've been a sticky team for Liverpool and they obviously kind of started the rot at Anfield um, around Christmas time as well so it was good to get some revenge Yeah and what's like Rob like do you do you think that's pretty like it's I think the minute they scored that goal against West Brom I thought that's them they've got the, the Champions League spot secured Mm-hmm. Um, and then tonight just kind of leads to it, doesn't it? Um, it looks like they've got it, doesn't it? Like they're going to play Crystal Palace, who have nothing to play for at home in the last day of the season. Yeah, um, like just going back to like Phillips and Williams for us, like that was a perfect match for those guys. Like I agree with Kev, they don't, they're not Liverpool players. Like they're not that top level. And I know there's going to be Liverpool fans are very excited about Phillips, but like I remember watching them against like West Ham here in the season. Like if you put the ball into the box or. If you play off second balls like Burnley do, he's going to have a decent game. That's his type of game. He had nine clearances tonight, blocked two shots, three tackles. Williams had eight clearances. This was a match a match for those guys. And they did well. And like they'll always be kind of cult heroes for Liverpool, particularly to get the Champions League. Um, you would say, yeah, that's it. They're going to finish top four. But I, remember, I was actually, I shouldn't say this probably as a Man United fan. I was at, Man United, I was at Liverpool Blackpool. In 2010, do you remember that game, Kev, where Charlie Adams scored and the Glazers protest and Roy Hodgson was the manager? This is Roy yes. Hodgson's. This is Roy Hodgson's last. Oh, he was my United fan sitting in Liverpool. It was my friend's birthday, so we all got tickets. And obviously, being a United fan, you don't celebrate too much. I don't let anyone know you're a United fan sitting yeah, in Liverpool. Yeah. But I just remember Hodgson and thinking, this is a terrible, terrible team. It kind of would be fitting for Hodgson to come back in his last match in. Club football to deny Liverpool the Champions League spot. Um, that would be really fitting. But I, I think Wait, like, unless he gets Paul Koncheski and Christian Poulsen, <laughs> like smuggles them in or something. Um, because, um, yeah. Some dreadful days under Roy. Yeah, like he's a nice guy, a nice man. He's had a great career, but he just did fit with Liverpool was terrible. And yeah, that would be, um, I don't know if that's where justice or anything. He's had a lot of jobs since then, but. Um, it would be kind of I'd smirk a little bit if, if Hodgson was the one to stop them but I think Liverpool yeah it's done now I think just a 1-0 win a scrappy win on Sunday it would be enough and um, from from the, if you look back on the season from December where when he went 1-7-0 against Palace and were top you'd say if they were scraping to finish in the top four you'd say that was mad stuff and what the hell went wrong but from the context of a couple of weeks ago or to January and February when he couldn't win a match I suppose they'll take it there is some. Oh yeah, go on, Kev. Yeah, 
No, it's just, it, it's such a decline. I mean, it just shows what a, a terrible season it's been for the club that they're scrapping for fourth place. I mean, this is a team that got whatever, 97, 98 points, 99 points, you know what I mean? Ran City very tightly, won a league, won a, won a Champions League. And now you're scrapping for fourth place where like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is rifling the one into the net, you know, to make it 3-0 against like Burnley. I mean, you spurn so many chances. So it just shows, I think, the decline in the squad probably and, and in the whole team and like is it the dying embers maybe of the Klopp kind of you know era 1.0 and that you know they need to kind of bring it to the next stage I, I don't know I think they will get Champions League now but I wonder is it just kind of playing from memory or is it, is it just kind of the dying embers of it where you know a, a bigger rebuild you know needs to be put in place where I mean they should never have been in a position like this regardless of the injuries I mean losing six games at, a ho- at home in a row is unforgivable um, for a club like Liverpool and for players. And like when Alden was poor enough again tonight, how he's kept when Alden in the team when like he has no interest in being there is kind of beyond me. And Manny obviously has been so off form as well, but he just has no other options. Uh, but it would look it was a good result. I think they will be Palace now, but I think it'll be bloody hard against Palace. Yeah. And I can see it, you know. Like tonight was a night where you wanted a penalty after 10 or 15 minutes just to settle things down and then kind of cruise to, to the end, not a kind of a grind at the end of the season. But I think having fans back at Anfield will make a huge difference at the weekend and that probably will get them over the line, I think. I was actually thinking it's time for Connor Wickham to show up and get his brace that he does once once a season, <laughs> show up, get his two goals and then disappear again for a while. Uh, he's like the modern day Neil Shipperly or something. But... Um, I was actually thinking, yeah, Kev, I mentioned this earlier on um, in the season. I remember when Liverpool brought out a European Cup for all the photos when they, when they won the league. I was like, now you have fans back at Anfield. You've one game left as the reigning league champions from last season. Do you bring out the league trophy for a little bit of a parade before the game starts uh, to, to rile the fans up? Or do you just kind of forget about that party that was promised? I think um, it'll be an inter- it's an interesting question. I don't know what they're going to do on Sunday. Um, I think that they should do something. Jesus, I mean, they've won for 30 years. They'll have to mark it some way. And I mean, if they just scraped a 1-0 victory against Crystal Palace, that'll be pretty shit to be parading a trophy that they don't technically own anymore. So they might as well milk the shit out of it and be like sell- selling pictures outside with children and like, do like what they do with like the GA trophies, put children into it if you can and like, you know, bathe them in champagne or Guinness or something or anything. Like, you know, absolutely milk the shit out of it for the final day and rub Roy Hodgson's face in it even more if you could possibly. So, um, yeah, I think they, they will have to do it. I think Klopp won't want that, but they'll have to concentrate and get a result first because there's no guarantee. I mean, like, it could be a classic Liverpool where they, it, they could balls it up and like it could be a kick in the nuts again after 80 minutes and they could be 1-0 down and you're like, Jesus Christ, not again. Because it would be classic Liverpool, let's not forget, to get to this stage of the season and balls it up and like have somebody like Alison Slip or something, like some horrible, poetic, kind of like horrible, just terrible kind of scenario of just a mistake or, or someone like Phillips giving away a penalty in the last minute. Or something like that. So I mean, like it's not it's not sealed uh, yet. I don't think any Liverpool fan is going to be celebrating until they see uh, see a, a victory at least on Sunday afternoon. Here's one to go to sleep with, Kev. Here's a thought, and for any Liverpool fan, Christian Benteke scored in each of his last four Premier League matches. Oh. 
I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> he didn't didn't have a great record at Anfield, though, so I'd say we're safe oh. enough. <laughs> um, actually, I was saying, like in terms of awards, I don't have that many kind of listed. Out. I'm gonna just give them all to uh, to Nat Phillips there. He, he like for a guy who's taken an awful lot of stick, and maybe sometimes he deserves to get a bit of stick. Like he's a bit of a limited guy, but he's really come up big for you guys in the last uh, two or three games, hasn't he? Like even a clearance off the line as well tonight. Yeah, I think when you look at Nat Phillips, everybody that has ever played five-a-side or even kicked a ball in anger against the gable wall at home thinks, that could be me. That guy could be me. You know, I could have cleared a ball off the line once or like, you know, if I got the header on the penalty spot, I could have roofed it. You know, there's a little bit of Nat Phillips in all of us, I think. And, you know, they talk about the magic of the cup. It is like, this is the magic of a limited journeyman footballer starting his career at the top and then slowly sliding down through the leagues. But he's probably going to be in Liverpool next season, I think, if they don't get Quebec, which I think is bizarre stuff if, if they're kind of holding out on that. But he has done very well. I think he's a very honest player. And I think there's a bit of steel. And there's a, you know, there's a little bit of Jordan Henderson about him where he's vocal. You know, he might be limited maybe as, as a footballer slightly. But I think he has an awful lot of heart. He has Liverpool in his bones. You know, he's come up through the system. He's, he's played on loan away. He's come back to the club. And I think, you know, Klopp appreciates that. And he's never going to be a, an England international or anything like that. But... He has, you know, that little bit of grit, I think, that Liverpool maybe have lacked a little bit. And maybe Andy Robertson has a touch of it as well, where they'll dig in and, you know, the mental resilience is there. And he's shown a lot of resilience this year because he's made a few mistakes and he's got on with it and got back with it. And I think I've said this before, if he had a really good centre-half with him, I think he wouldn't be as exposed as much. But... Look, I mean, let's be honest, he's Gary, Dar- Gary Doherty in the 21st century. That's what you're looking at. You know, there's no doubt about it. He, he's a bit of a lump, but he's a useful lump. And if he gets Liverpool Champions League football, it'll just be a bit incredible for someone like that to be playing, you know, in, in German football last season on loan and to be a, a starter for Liverpool as they reach the Champions League has been quite a turnaround. I think it's our point, sorry. I think if Klopp had a like, I can understand why Klopp didn't put too much faith in him because, as you said, all the reasons he listed, Kev, he's a bit like, I suppose, when you know, you had Luke Chadwick back in the early noughties, like, he kind of useful enough squad player, but everyone knew he, was, he wasn't he was going to be stuck around for the long term. But those times when Klopp was moving Fabinho and Henderson into midfield, it wasn't helping the team, whereas Phillips showed, like, it's better to have a centre-half rather than a reposition of midfield or someone else. And that was thrown off the balance of Klopp's team. So he has been, um, his form and his confident enough has really, I suppose, it's helped Liverpool in the last while, even if he definitely isn't the world beater. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, like, I was even just having a read there, like Klopp's was kind of talking about Reese Williams and Phillips there, and he was saying, uh, you know, they get they got their chance, to, they've used it. These kind of things make careers. Uh, I don't think many people would have thought Phillips would be a starter for Liverpool, and now he scores. It's very nice. So um, I think it's almost just like, yeah, he's even acknowledged and they're just there to kind of do... Do a job for a while, like. But the other thing that's, uh, and I, I was moaning to you about this the other day on WhatsApp, Rob, about um, yeah. about this. I was like talking about Klopp saying, like, is this going to be such an incredible achievement to get fourth? But I was like, they've made this problem for themselves because, like, everybody was saying at the start of the season, you can't go into a season with three three centre defenders, two of them being injury prone, and Klopp. Maybe Klopp was upset behind the scenes, but he was saying, no, no, we'll be fine. We have Fabinho. And then, you know, and then Van Dyke gets injured and the other two guys who are crocs are crocs again. And mm-hmm. then they have a whole January transfer window to fix it and they don't bother fixing it properly. Like, so 
they've uh, people are talking about it as being some kind of like amazing Liverpool comeback, but it's like they've dug this massive hole for themselves. They were top of the table in January. He won seven nil against Palace in the reverse fixture of this game. Like they shouldn't be scrapping for top four. Like Klopp is going to spin that, but like in the whole context of the season, which is what you're going to judge it on, which is what managers always say, judges on the season. Like it's been a failure. Like there's no other way to put it. Really, it was a weird one with Lovren. We don't know. Like we don't know. Lovren maybe wanted to leave, but you've persisted with Lovren this long. Like just like keep him there now. He's your champions. Like keep him as the four choice centre half. Or if you are going to let him go, make sure you replace him. Because like as I said there a minute ago, in Klopp he saw Fabinho as the fourth centre half. But you'll probably agree with me, Kev. Like when Fabinho's out midfield, Liverpool just aren't the same team. So. Like, even though Fabinho can play centre-half, doesn't mean you ever should have been looking for that to happen. And then when the most important player gets injured, Van Dijk, which, like, obviously it was an accident. Pickford lost his mind. It was ridiculous. I was angry as anyone watching that because I was like, what is he thinking? Doing that to another professional? Like, it was crazy stuff. But there's always a chance that something like that was going to happen or Van Dijk was going to pick up an injury somewhere else. And the warning signs are there. Like, Liverpool lost 7-2 with Van Dijk and team to Villa but he managed to come up or get over that top of the table in December and then it just collapses and that's what's kind of bothering me with Klopp this season and I know like I'm not coming to, I'm coming from, from my United perspective but even just as a neutral you're like Klopp it, just, it didn't help him he's picking fights and I just felt like it's only the last couple of weeks that they've kind of focused back on the task in hand that okay we actually need to start winning some matches here and stop giving out and Klopp needs to stop giving out and blaming other people for what happened because like again he's reaping some of his own mistakes from how the squad or maybe Liverpool's mistakes he went like there's no way to put it he went into this into the season underprepared for a season that was going to be more testing than any other one, other one that Liverpool have ever had particularly given the style of play that he um, utilises and the profile of the squad like their best players are all 29, 30 so um, yeah in the context of two, three weeks ago I think the one I thought sorry Pat they're going to miss it on Champions League was after the Leeds match when he drew one all and there was the um, um, Super League protests. but So from that point, it's a good good turnaround. But from December, it's it's like, yeah, like, come on, like, you shouldn't, there's no way you should be in this position. Yeah, was it? Um, yeah, actually, you might get your talk, uh, thoughts on that, Kevin. And the other one is, um, I might even go back to maybe transfer stuff near the end, but the, um, it was just interesting to see um, Harry Kane. Looks like he's on his way out as far as the Liverpool... Would you want them, or do you think there's even no point even talking about them because there's no chance he does? Nah. I don't think I don't think he'd suit their style. I think he, uh, I was thinking, I'm talking to some United fans today, and my only uh, friend that is a City fan, a long-suffering City fan, and he thinks that actually City will get him uh, because they'll be able to pay the money. Aguero will be gone, and I think no, I don't think he will suit a City t- side. But I can imagine the 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 owners will probably think you know we'll get Harry Kane. It'll boost our profile. He's a big English name. It'll bring some more fans on board or whatever like that. But I think it's United all day long for him. I don't think he'd ever suit. He's not mobile enough. I don't think for a Liverpool forward line. Could you imagine him doing what Firmino did tonight in terms of, you know, that little kind of shimmy, the fake run? Now he might have been in the box for a header or something like that. But I don't think Kane is Kane is going between City or United. I think they're the only two options. But I, Rob is absolutely right. I think Liverpool made this rod from their own back. Even last summer, they got Jota and Thiago in. Costas. Uh, was Costas actually appeared on the pitch yeah. tonight? Yeah, uh, like you know, like, yeah, sorry, 
<laughs> yeah, well, I'd say I'd say everybody forgot what he looked like. Uh, there was probably lads on the bench looking at him, thinking, "Who's this geezer?" Like, you know, is this Harvey Elliott? Fucking hell! Um, but like, yeah. So I mean, they didn't. He didn't help himself. And obviously, January was just a catastrophe in terms of they've signed a centre half that nobody has ever seen and is unlikely to see. And you know. It's, it's hard to imagine like Ben Davies must be locked in the old boot room at Anfield like you know it, like reminds me of that scene in Father Ted where like somebody's locked into Father Jack's underpants drawer and it's like let me out so I mean like you're never going to see him so it just seems bizarre that they allowed themselves to get into this position obviously you're going to get injuries but you look at centre halves the centre half derails Man City season a couple of years ago mm-hmm. Harry Maguire obviously is, like I mean centre halves are almost the most important players in, in any Premier League time now because of the calibre of forwards you're facing. Um, so, look, I mean, it, it was difficult. It was always going to be a nightmare. But, I mean, they still got to Christmas in decent nick. But I think they just ran out of, of road and they were just exhausted. And, like, you had players plugging holes everywhere like Fabinho and it was just never going to continue. But, like, losing so many games at home as well, no crowds didn't help us. Who they're going to get this summer? I mean, last summer for me was the summer to strengthen. I don't know who's available. Uh, who are they going to get? I mean, anybody that plays decently at the Euros, you can add another 10 or 15 million on them. They'll have to ship players out. Octave Chamberlain obviously will probably end up at West Ham. But, you know, they'll have to ship out a few more players, I think, to, to try and fund things. Van Dijk will be a year older. So it's going to be a tough one. But you imagine if you get Henderson, Van Dijk, Thiago, Mane, Salah, Firmino, Jota, you know, Alisson even, you get all those players back, they're still probably the the second best team in, in England. You know, many nice fans might not want to hear that, but I think a full-string Liverpool taking on a full-string Manchester United, like Liverpool win those games most times, just through sheer, I think, you know, bloody-mindedness and just better players in key positions in midfields and at centre-half. Obviously, the United goalkeeper situation. I like. I know we're going to talk about that, but like they're going to get rid of Dean Henderson yes. instead of De Gea. Like <laughs> uh, that just makes no. That makes absolutely no sense. That why would you get rid of somebody like Dean Henderson? Surely the idea would be to keep him. Like selling him. No, it just seems like a bizarre decision. So the long-winded way to answer, Pat, is no. Harry Kane is not going to end up at Anfield. <laughs> we're happy to yeah. talk. We're happy to talk about Harry Kane, Pat. But first, I have to say that. One of the best if they get rid of Dean Henderson, that's one of the best transfer decisions United have made in a long time. Like this guy is Joe Hart the second. I've seen enough. He he has to mm. not it's not gonna happen. De Gea isn't world class anymore. He could potentially be world class again. But if you know you've made that decision and you've made it as swiftly as based on that Liverpool game and a few more, then to me that actually gives me more faith in Solskjaer because I thought you're gonna persist with that. But no, I'm glad to hear that potentially that could be over. Yeah, Solskjaer is ruthless enough. Like I was actually only looking back at um because Fergie's doing the the rounds uh for his never give in thing and he was talking about um just players who kind of weren't great but made themselves great and it, it, it made me go back and look at the uh Solskjaer red cards that he got against Newcastle before and just the way he like he just bollocks back and just took Rob Lee out of it like and uh just took a straight red card. Like he he is ruthless. Like you know, we haven't seen Phil Jones all season. He's got rid of Smalling, like he's uh you know, he didn't want Lingard, like, even though he's supposed to be in, like, you know, nice ladder and training, like, he is tough enough. So maybe he's seen enough of, of Henderson and 
and doesn't like the look. So I'm not entirely convinced about him either. Like um, my master plan is to swap De Gea with Oblak because De Gea has the baby and he wants to go back to Spain and he's a hero <laughs> Atletico. So to me, that makes a lot of sense whether Jan Oblak wants to come over. And Jan Oblak's one of these type of guys that, um, again, like I see bits and pieces of him, but I'm convinced he's the best goalkeeper in the world and he can <laughs> solve all of our problems. But, but I, like Rob, why would you get rid of somebody that has put pressure on De Gea to try and improve his performances. I don't know where the pressure came from. Oh, that way, I, I suppose, Kev, because I think it comes from the guy seems pretty fond of himself, Henderson. And that's mm. no, um, something wrong with that. You have to be confident, particularly at that level of sport. But I, I don't know where it came from, his confidence. Like, he's had one season in the Premier League with Sheffield United. Even Chris Wilder kind of dug him out last season saying, like, he made a mistake against Liverpool. Do you remember that? Liverpool won 1-0. Abraham Lane, he's like, yeah, this fellow wants to play for England and he's making mistakes like that. He backed himself when he came back into United. There was a lot of talk of I'm coming for that number one spot. And I'm like, like, because, he, because he's English as well, and this isn't any like tinfoil hat theory, but I felt like a lot of journalists in England, sports journalists, were backing him too. Like, give him a chance. He's English, young English goalkeeper, all this stuff. But to me, I don't know where it came from. Like, I have no idea where his confidence is based on. He's not a particularly good uh, at distributing. He, he's not particularly uh, commanding when he comes to the ball. You've seen last week where a bit of pressure um, he's making mistakes. So, like, De Gea, I don't like, I think loyalty is one of these things that, like, like in football, like, wherever. Like, tell me, like, like, it's a bit of an old a misnomer. Like, it's an old term, really. It doesn't really apply too much to modern football. But De Gea does deserve a little bit of loyalty. He's been the club's best player for a decade. This fellow has come along talking a big game who I don't think has the attributes to be a proactive top level goalkeeper like he's no Allison, he's no Ederson so I think De Gea has got the rocket that he's needed oh. I think Henderson has served his purpose and I think that like listen it's time for him to go to West Brom or someone like that but for me looking at it just as an outsider I would have thought okay De Gea gets the number one jersey but if he has a stinker for the first 10 games the next season you've already nailed yourself to the wall in terms of we have nowhere to turn now with a sub goalkeeper Maybe. Put pressure on it, and like you're behind a defense of Harry Maguire, like Victor Lindelof, you know, Fair like, <laughs> like, it, it, like it, are you painting yourself into a corner with it? No, okay, Dean Henderson might be amazing, but like, do you really want a situation where you have somebody like Adrian and Allison, where Adrian is obviously no competition and Queen Keller is too young? So, yeah. it, it just it seems strange at this stage already to be nailing. The De Gea Henderson kind of issue for Stalsker when there's probably no need he could have let it run for the summer, but look, maybe it's a distraction. I don't know. But yeah, what I take that Kev maybe would be that like you can only play that sub goalkeeper hand once, and Solskjaer mm. has played it, and De Gea has seen that Henderson. I, I honestly, I just don't think he's up to anything, and I've seen it. And John Brewin on Football Weekly compared him to Joe Hart, and it was like a rope, a eureka moment for me. I was like, yes, this guy is Joe Hart, like he's not. He's not that top level goalkeeper. So, Man United apparently are going to get Tom Heaton on a free transfer. Heaton's a really good goalkeeper who, like, just got lucky with injuries. To me, he will be a nice kind of placeholder as second choice goalkeeper with De Gea. And De Gea will still have market value that he could eventually do that kind of super swap that Pat is talking about. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm actually glad that Ollie's shown a bit of ruthlessness because watching United against Fulham last night, I was texting my mates going, like, is this as far as Ollie can take them? But maybe he has a bit more ruthlessness than I would give him credit for. Other people do. And he actually does have, he does have plans to shake up the squad. 
Yeah, well, it was it was nice to see United fans in Old Trafford last night, still leaving early before the full time whistle. <laughs> yeah. Some things never change. This it would be strange to see fans there till the very end. Like, um, yeah, it, it was strange enough, wasn't it? Like, it, it's I was saying it was interesting that tonight, Kev, you were the one to bring up United for the first time because me and Rob were probably trying to avoid yeah. a Fulham game. It was uh, it was it was like remind me right. a bit of the, the Arsenal of old when Arsenal didn't have any. Remember, Arsenal needs to try and walk the ball into net and do these flicks yeah. and stuff. And like Solskjaer didn't kind of reference it at the end of the game. Like he's he, he had his list of excuses out again, and he's been talking shite basically for the last week. Like, but uh, like blaming fans for the results against Leicester and Liverpool, and and then saying that it was the fans' fault again because the fans, the players are trying to impress them. Like, but um, yeah, they they should have just put, put Fulham to bed very early. Should have went two or three nil up against them, and then. And then just, it was this type of United game, you've seen it happen so many times before, where like they just don't get the second goal and you just know something's going to like something's gonna come. And uh, speaking of the hail, like he made a couple of good saves in the first half, but he went for that Joe Bryan header with his feet. He was falling back yeah. and was trying to save it with his feet again. Like, so um, I don't know, we might just take Kelleher off you guys or something like that. And um, uh, yeah, I'm not convinced. Andy, Andy Lonergan will be looking for a gig. Get Lonergan, get keep Lee Grant, keep Lee Grant for another season. But uh, <laughs> yeah, on that, like I was thinking, like in terms of like McTominay, I thought he did well for United again. Like you know, he got a bit of grief last week. Um, he's just as as we said though, he's a good squad player, isn't he? But the thing that annoyed me maybe most of all was again eighty six minutes. Van de, Donny Van de Beek comes on again. I was like, what is he actually expecting from Van de Beek in those four minutes? Like, what's he expecting to do? Because it's like it's almost like a tactic. It's like 86 minutes gone, get Van de Beek on for the last four minutes and the, the kid can do nothing. Like, um, probably calling him a kid like Lingard. He's probably 27 or something, but uh, I think he's 23, 24. Like, but he's had an awful rough time of it. Like, why bother even throw the guy on for, for these token three or four minutes at the end of nearly every game? Yeah, like he sums up nearly a lot of times. It's it's strange that he does highlight a lot of the flaws that you point out with Solskjaer with like I'm there praising two seconds ago for being hopefully being ruthless, but at the same time he's all he is way too def, like he he sticks with guys like um Fred McTominay yeah, together yeah. way too long, um like surely at Fulham at home you don't play Pogba on the wing like you play Pogba and Van der Beek maybe with just Fred behind them or just McTominay behind them like give like get on the ball try to do something like, you know you only scored from an offside worldy goal yesterday against a team who were relegated. And my big thing from watching that was just like, like what were they working on all week? What was their plan to break the team down? What were the pass, passing patterns? What were the ways they were planning to hurt Fulham? Like, I just saw no evidence of that at all. Like, I just saw a bunch of lads kind of running around, Bruno and Cavani looking for each other because they're kind of on the same wavelength. And just, yeah, like... No, again, nothing really. And then you're like, why are you looking at why is Van der Beek coming on for four minutes? What can he possibly achieve in those four minutes? And that's not to say he come on and run him up and score three goals or whatever, but he does have some of the qualities that you know you would probably need, which is just getting on the ball and passing it forward. And no, it just doesn't seem to matter. Um, Solskjaer is going to stick with Fred McTominay, Pogba on the left wing, like mad stuff. So yeah, Pogba, sorry, Solskjaer, he's a tough one to pin down. There's lots of good signs. Lots of um, like you think, okay, I don't think anyone thought he was going to be in the European final, even though he's Europa League and then finished second. But at the same time, you're like, is the, the gap to Forrest is huge? And I just don't know if he's going to be the guy to, to shorten that gap, essentially. 
Yeah, I've lost like I was saying. No, it's not like I was. I was fully on board the Solskjaer trying because I had my doubts about him in the past. Like, but I was a lot more positive about the team after they beat Villa than after these last three games. It's been it's been a tough watch, and then some of the stuff that he's coming out and saying, and like he said after that Fulham game last night, it was a wake up call. And I was like, what's losing four two at home to Liverpool if not a wake up call? Like, how many yeah. slaps in the face do you need to wake up here? Like, it's a uh, it's a bit mad. Like, I was just kind of thinking, Kev, I I, I had a thing where like. I like I was saying, I'll probably care about it next Wednesday when the game is on, of course. But I was like, for me, I would have much preferred if United had went balls out, finish on it, get 83 points in the league. Even though you knew you were going to finish second, just keep pushing all the way to the end and send a message out to City for next season that we're, we're the guys that are coming for you than actually winning a Europa League. Like To me, I would have preferred to win the last four games of the season than... The, the Europa League means nothing to me now. Like, And in years looking back, it'll mean nothing to me either. But... What, what would your take be on that? Do you think they just need to win a trophy? <clears throat> yeah, look, I think momentum in, in sport is kind of funny. And obviously players, I think a lot of international players are looking at the Euros and probably trying to mind themselves a little bit for the Euros. And that mm. probably comes into it a little bit. And I think Pogba's definitely doing that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how, how he links up with Karim Benzema now uh, in that French club. But there's definitely I think an element of that where players are trying to mind themselves a little bit but you'd imagine a manager is thinking like let's go balls out for the end of the season let's put a little bit of pressure we have fans back in Old Trafford for the first time in 400 and whatever it is days you know like let's put on a show for these guys and like it was it was so limp like it reminded me of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street like trying to make his way to the car and he's all drugged <laughs> up and like just, his legs won't move and his arms won't move and like he eventually gets into the driving seat but like he fucking hits every tree on the way out of the place and like that's where United are at at the moment trying to get to the finish line like conceding at home to Fulham now Liverpool are no team to talk about Fulham obviously but like Jesus at the end of the season like Fulham are, are done like, you know, they're they're roasted. So, I mean, you, you should be cracking three or four goals past them. And especially when Cavani got that brilliant goal. I mean, that should be a surge of confidence through a team. But they just go into their shells a little bit. I don't know what it is with United that they're almost afraid to push forward or something. Or, like, it, it's a weird one. Like, you know, apart from Fernandez, in terms of the confidence in the team, like it, it almost seeps out of them rather than kind of going into them, you know, yeah. that like players are afraid of it. And, and look, you watch more United games than I do, but like it, it's just a funny one where instead of getting two and three goals, where United, if they got a goal before under Ferguson, you'd have two and three in a couple of minutes. Now it's they get a goal and it's like, how long will it be until they concede? Because you know they're going to concede because United always concede. And I think that's the biggest problem Solskjaer faces is that, like, mentally they have strong moments, but then there's an awful brittleness, I think, to an awful lot of the players through the entire team. And I don't know whether that comes to manager or lack of supporters or whatever, but they just kind of cowered away from Fulham. And it was just an inevitability when that goal uh, came towards the end. But, I mean, they really limped. Like, I mean, Liverpool scrapping for fourth place are only going to be a couple of points behind United, despite having a horrendous season, you know, by anyone's admission. And you're just thinking, like, how did that happen? You know, how, how has United allowed that to happen? Like, they should have really kept the pressure on City, but it just it's kind of fallen apart over the last six weeks or so. He's just not a top-level coach, is he? Like, it, like Sasha, like he's a he's a definitely, like, a good, like, he's a good manager of the players. Like, they seem to like him. 
respect him. We definitely much prefer him to Mourinho. Like he's like he's carried that lift on. He has got some qualities. I think in some matches he can he can read the mood well and he can set the team up well. But I just watch a team that just it, it's not there's no coherence at all. It's not a well coached team the way not obviously it's not Man City's level, but it's not even on like like even like if you, and this guy's even like Brighton. Like Brighton I can see, okay, they're trying to have put certain patterns to play together or Leeds are trying to put certain patterns to play together or Pochettino and Sport when he was at Sports. But with Solskjaer, it just feels like listen, we've loads of good players here. Like Bruno, like just go out, keep it tight and give it to Bruno. And like that's not going to be enough to win the league. Like mm. so it's not even going to be enough to even come close. And like if Chelsea next season have an actual manager the whole way through, like like Tuchel, which they will, a really top level manager, and um, then they're going to be much closer to the City. Liverpool aren't going to let another season slip and United could just be back to square one. So, like to me, I think this Solskjaer should be like the, just the, he's the permanent caretaker until something better comes along. And to me, that would be still Pochettino. Like I would be like I'm like I, I'd be quite critical of them, but like one or two of my mates who would be critical would be big United fans, but would be critical. We're even suggesting Brendan Rodgers as United manager. And I'm saying like <laughs> that might that might just be the bit when the great Glazers cr- um, crumble. Like imagine sacking <laughs> the club legend. For the ex Liverpool manager, even though I really like Rodgers and he's a he's a great coach, but maybe ten years from there we might be Man United manager, but he can't. It's still too soon. But that's the level we're at now that they want ex Liverpool managers nearly. Like everyone loves Solskjaer, but I think, yeah, I think Pochettino or sorry, Kev. Has has a a former Liverpool manager ever been a Man United coach? The only kind of reverse, obviously, is Matt Busby going from Liverpool to Man United. As gonna no. as a former player, I wouldn't say that's never going to happen. No. Like you, no. you've more, you've more likelihood buying a house for two hundred thousand euro if you're a first time <laughs> buyer than you are of that happening. I'd say around. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Busby obviously played for Liverpool, but no, and it, like it's not that like like Rogers is hardly Jamie Carragher. Like he's not a scouser. He's not a big Liverpool guy. He's an um, ambitious coach. But I think what that said to me was just that like. Just need someone to put some shape on this team, and as I said, Solskjaer can he's permanent caretaker because he does. He, the club is in decent stead hands with him, but to get to that level of competing for European trophies, and that's not just based on what my United should be. It's the amount of money they spend on players and wages. They should be in the Champions League and keen summed up well. Like they're only winning the Europa League because they failed in the Champions League. Mm. That's the truth of it, and I just think Solskjaer. I'd like to see him go with his head held high, not like. And that by him leaving that sorry, that I'll, I'll stop rambling now. That doesn't mean he's doing a bad job. He's not like it's not that black and white. He can do a good job, but someone else is needed to do an even better job. And whenever PSG decided that Pochettino should go, because they will, they always sack the managers like any club like that. Then I think he he's just the perfect manager for Man United. Yeah, he's done like he, he's capable of of bringing it out in big games. United Solskjaer, like you know, like a few smash and grab jobs, and and you know, going away in European games, and yeah, just, each week he just seems to send the lads out, and they're just like, yeah, Bruno, and then either like Greenwood or Cavani or Rashford, like save me here, like and um, yeah, it's an interesting. Like I was, as I said, I was a lot happier. I thought he'd kind of. I still keep saying, I keep hanging on, like, oh, let's see what we do in the summer. Let's see who we bring in because. You can see how a player like Bruno is, transforms a club. So if you oh, get Harry, in, yeah, Harry Kane. Yeah, like if you get in another kind of transformed player, like it can kind of lift all those them around them. So I just keep waiting to see who we're going to bring in. And um, as I said, if anybody was was listening to our show last week, I think 
Uh, we'll put this move down to you if it ever does happen, Rob. Danny Ings for, for Manchester United. I like him. <laughs> yeah. I see it was the Telegraph we're talking about it today and I was thinking like yeah. if, if Ings does come in, that doesn't mean Harry Kane's coming in, does it? If, if Ings comes in, he's a, he's a decent booby prize like but um, Yeah, that, sorry, that feels like sorry, that feels me, um, Patrick. Did you ever notice that um, Arsenal used to always do this? There'd always be a story around like whenever the season tickets need to be renewed of mm. Arsenal having a war chest <laughs> yeah. and like they're going to spend big so people get all excited so I think this is a bit of a switch and bait from United because they're like listen I read from the Times the Athletic and the Telegraph that Kane wants to go to Man City they came in from last year Kane agreed to stay one more season with a gentleman's agreement with Levy so Man City will probably come back in for him if United do get him he'll be second choice they'll be his second choice I think Kane would push them a lot closer but when you see the Ying story, that feels like to me, listen, they're preparing United like fans for the worst. But like Dan Yings is a is a good player. You wouldn't say no to him, but obviously Kane would be a better show. I still want I still kind of think that if they can well actually if he puts himself in the shop window, like Martial, if we can somehow sell him on for a decent price. I think Lingard's price is up to 70 mil now. That's just me kind of uh ringing him up five mil a week. But uh I was saying that, that that's the last thing we're, we're probably I was just gonna to talk to you about Kev, like the I think the England squad's going to be announced or their, their 26-man squad's going to be announced. I was like, there's not even... There can't be a debate about Trent Alexander-Arnold. If he doesn't go, Southgate's just an absolute clown, isn't he? Like, but, um, but he, he will make the squad, won't he? Like, But why, if you were so good, would you exclude him considering the flack that you're going to get? Like, yeah, Do you yeah. really want the English media on your back straight away? for it he's just like just put him in there it's like if it doesn't matter if he doesn't get any fucking game just put him in there so like, I think he's definitely going to go I think he's been excellent the last couple of games he was brilliant at the weekend he was very good again tonight um, you know he seems to have rediscovered his form I wouldn't care if he doesn't go to the Euros I think it'd be good from a Liverpool point of view uh, to give him a summer off he probably needs a break I think after a pretty hectic couple of years since he was 19 so you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but he's definitely going to go. Like, I mean, there's absolutely zero doubt that, like, he has to be in that squad just for a set-piece delivery, if nothing more. And then, like, international football is a lot about that. It's quite about, you know, your set-pieces and, you know, your set-moves because, like, international football is a bit of a grind these days uh, for a lot of it. So he has to be in the squad. Um, And if, like, Jordan Henderson is pushing himself to have to try and get in it as well, but... Like you know, I prefer if he was if he wasn't there either. But um, yeah, Trent has to be in that twenty sixth uh, when it's announced. It's a weird. Is he announcing like a twenty six or a twenty nine man squad or something? Or that I read something strange. I think it's twenty six. Kev, sorry, Pat. With, yeah, with a few lads on standby because the Chelsea oh, yeah. Man City players won't be there. Like Dave Ornstein in the Athletic, who is probably the most well connected football journalist around. He doesn't think he's going to be in the squad, which is in insane. But. Wow. Like to me, like we like we're all we're used we're football fans of a certain age. We're used to England England failing at tournaments, and usually for the same reasons, like tactical stupidity. Nearly, not that we're amazing experts, but this would re re. I would gain faith again in that theory if if Southgate was to leave Mel because, like, imagine admitting one of the most talented players in the country for fucking Kieran Trippier or Kyle Walker or one of these guys like. You can put Trent in that squad and play him in the field. Play him anywhere. Like, he's brilliant. Like, play him. Just bring him on to take um, corners. That's, and he would be more effective than 78% of that squad. 
But if Gordon Dorn's thinking he's not going to be in the squad unless something changes, um, which is just absolutely insane. So that would tie into my kind of thinking that, say, okay, is a bit of a tactical dunce, and that sounds a bit harsh, like, but because he's another good guy, another kind of good man manager, but I think he could just come up short, and decisions like that would probably show why, really. Yeah, it's it's um speaking of yeah, actually, like if, if it goes wrong for Southgate, um, Big Sam could be back in there because uh, <laughs> it just as we were recording, there it was announced that Big Sam is uh he's leaving West West Brom at the end of the season, and the the little twist in that was apparently. West Brom released the statements when they were only 2-1 down to West Ham. Oh, and then they lost 3-1. Like, so he was basically announced that he was leaving the club mid-match. Like, and uh, that's no way for Big Sam to go. Like, someone needs to get that man a pint of wine tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say, yeah, I'll wrap it up there and say thanks to everybody for listening. And um, yeah, I was saying like 66.66% of... Uh, you know, of this podcast now, we, we don't want Liverpool to do it, but it looks like they are going to do it. Uh, <laughs> you're not confident, Kev, we are. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see us all again, maybe on Sunday night, and we'll, and we'll see where we are and um, see if there has been any kind of the ghost of Roy Hodgson is going to come back and haunt Liverpool. <laughs> all right, cheers for that, lads. Cheers. <laughs>